From Hands at Work on January 9th, George Snayman shared the 2019 watchword from South Africa. The watchword is a guiding scripture that marks our year and is an overarching theme for Hands at Work in Africa and around the world. Hands at Work is a movement, right? A movement that moves among the most vulnerable communities and through the churches try to reach people. And we are just disciples of Jesus. We believe to work through the church. Now, movements are all about moving, right? We're a movement. We're all about moving. And we are each part of that movement. Each one of you are part of that movement. And God has called us to be scattered and to be sent. Remember, we've had this beautiful picture of the tapestry. And in some places of this picture, the threads are becoming faded and thin. And he's saying, Celine, will you go there? Can I send you there, Jane? That's the very heart of the calling. Jesus taught us this new kingdom, and he taught us new ways in how to do it. It's often called the upside-down kingdom. Now, we are called, I want you to hear this, we are called to release control of the things we want and we need. In hope that it will come back to us in multiplication. We sow in faith that we can reap a harvest. Talk about the sower, we sow in faith. Now, seeds that you plant, when I take seeds from Carolyn and I, and I plant it, I can't use it anymore. Do you understand? When you take your seeds and you plant it, no longer can you consume those seeds. Yet, without planting it, you'll never have a harvest. Can you see the contradiction? Can you see the problem we have here? <laughs> Jesus used the example of, of planting and a harvest and how he expands his kingdom. And he speaks about, in John 12, 24, he speaks about unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, dies, release, let it go, sow it. Unless he do it, that seed will stay a single seed. But one seed like that can grow, like in, sometimes in Sikupa, it can grow seven feet tall, and it can have just the most amazing maze on it. You know that? It was one seed. Unless that seed is thrown into the ground, and unless it dies, it cannot happen. So each one of us have received seeds. We all have seeds. Nobody do not have seeds. I want to ask you this morning as we start 2019, how many of your seeds are you planting in God's kingdom? And how many are you keeping for yourself for your own fruit? Jesus gave us this choice. He said this, preserve your seeds, keep it, 
and you will lose it. Plant your seeds for his sake and you will have a huge harvest into eternity forever and ever and ever. That harvest will just never stop. It will just keep on producing, 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 producing. And we've heard so many amazing things like that. So there are people sitting here this morning that are part of the service center that are having an impact on hundreds of children who were orphans themselves. Am I right? They themselves were desperate. Do not forget where you come from. Do not forget where you come from. Some of us were orphans. We were desperate. Some of us <laughs> stood on the side of the road and we had nowhere to put our heads that night. Am I right? True story, right here in our midst. Today, because somebody saw that and sowed a seed and say, not while I'm around, and took that person into their own house, today that person is in the service center influencing hundreds of children. And those children are going to influence hundreds of people. And hundreds of people are going to be influenced by thousands of people. And that harvest is going to be for eternity because... Anita, where are you? <coughs> she, she sowed the seed in a winter afternoon at half past five when it was getting dark. And she had every reason to go home. And she refused to go home because she saw a need and she took in her own bag of seeds and she sowed it. And today Sufiso is sitting here. What do you do with your seeds? It's one thing to sow hands at work seeds. <laughs> we give each one of you a bag of seeds every year to sow, right? Because people give it to us. So when you sow that seed, you sow on behalf of other people. You are just a hired man. Even international volunteers, you get paid. People are working to pay you and to support you. You are sowing on behalf of other people. Your harvest is what comes out of your personal seeds. And Anita, if I may say to respect, is most probably one of the most neediest people in our midst here today. How many seeds do you keep and how many seeds do you sow? So, this morning I want us to dig into Luke 9. Are you still with me? Yeah. Are you with me, Angela? Are you with me, Eric? You want me to get you to stand up? Okay, so I want us to dig into Luke 9 today. Because I'm going to take Luke 9 and it's going to build us up to our watchword. And I want you to follow this amazing story with me. Luke 9 is packed. Luke 9 is packed with Jesus, obviously, if I can say to respect, changing the gears here. Jesus is saying, tick tock, tick tock, my time is coming soon. And I have to step up now to make sure that my disciples understand my kingdom. Because I don't have another plan. They are my plan. And so we see in Luke 9, Jesus pushing. And some remarkable things happen in Luke 9. And I'm going to run through it quickly because we don't have a lot of time. 
But the chapter is full of nuggets of gold. And it builds up towards our 2019 watchword. So let's go through it. And, and it, when I give you a verse, it will be on the screen. So you don't have to look for it in your Bible. And we can look at the same translation, okay? So we're going to start in verse 1. Let me show you something. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Think about it for a moment. I just want to, I mean, you all know this verse, but let's contextualize it. If I pray over you this morning and all of you receive that power right now, that you can drive out he demons, you can heal the sick, you've got the boldness to bring the gospel, and you go out and you do that. Just imagine the excitement that he would be in hands if we come back. I mean, you thought Monday, or when did we meet? On Monday morning, right? You thought that was excitement. Imagine we all go out for three weeks, and this happens, and we come back. You, you're not going to believe what happened. Just imagine the excitement that there was when the disciples were given this authority and they went out. Jesus just sent them. He didn't go with. He said, go and heal and drive our demons and bring the good news of Jesus. For that was amazing for the disciples. That's exactly what they wanted. They had power. They could do things. And so many times, guys, I want you to hear this, please. So many times today, preachers still preach that, which is perfectly gospel, but they stop there. They say, you see, you need to have the power. Look the power that you have. Jesus had a big message here. This is something that he was giving to them to show them more, deeper, his kingdom. So when we look at verse 10, look at this. When his disciples returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowd learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom and healed those that were, healed, that were sick. So they came back. And now it was a time with Jesus. They want to tell him all the things. He said, let's go over there. You can tell me. And when they got there, this massive, massive crowd, this burden just came. And they were there. And Jesus turned around and he gave all his attention to that need. What a let down. Go to the next. Late in the afternoon. So the whole day Jesus spent with them. The disciples must have thought, yeah, let's get this over and done. So listen to those words. Late in the afternoon. Chila time. Going home time. It's five o'clock. Show's over. Right? Late in the afternoon. The twelve came to him and said, okay, send him home. Send him home so that they can go and sort out their own problems to the surrounding villages and countryside to find food and lodging because, because we are in a remote place. Surely you don't expect us to take our own seed now. We've done the ministry now. It's late. Get these guys out. 
I know Sofiso is standing on the side of the road. It's half past five. But I've worked the whole day. I'm going now. Maybe I'll see him tomorrow in office hours. Jesus said, you, you give them something to eat. You take your seats. You make this personal. You work past five o'clock today. You do not go back to your comfort and your where you feel happy after you feel you've done a good day. Yeah, you stick to this. This is what I have called you to do. So now they've driven out all the demons and they're now high. And now Jesus said, that's all great. I want you to do that. But this is where it is at. This is where it's at. And when they did it, he showed them 12 baskets full of bread. How many disciples were there? Twelve. Twelve baskets full. If you want to preach a prosperity gospel, not the bad way to speak in Africa, this is a prosperity gospel. After you have sowed, after you spent yourself, your father knows your needs and he will take care of you. But why must he give you 12 baskets full of food if it's a crowd hungry, lonely, and sad? No. He said, you take your little bit of seeds you have and you sow it and I will take care of you. Sow and there will be a harvest over and over coming. And they ate and they were satisfied. So Jesus helped them to make it personal. Now, I want you to stay with me on this picture, okay? What happened first? He sent them out. They had all this power. Then he took them to the crowd and he showed them to make it personal and sacrificial. It's not just about healing and then I'm here and you're there. Can you see the difference? But it is about healing and I'm getting into your messy world. Why? Because he came into our messy world, right? So we go into the mess of the world around us. Now, Jesus wants to push us further. So he said to them after everybody left, so tell me, what do people say? Who am I? Oh, and they said, oh, you're John and you're Elijah. And Jesus said, what do you say? Who am I? And Peter, that crazy guy, Peter, he said, you are Christ. You know what he meant by Christ? You know what Christ means? It is, he said, you are the anointed one that God promised in Genesis 3 verse 15. You're the one that he promised that will come and crush the head of a Satan. You are the one the prophets were waiting for. You are the one that for thousands of years we were waiting. That is you. So first time, it came out. And listen here, as I said that, Jesus said to them for the first time, he said, okay, you're getting it. You had the power. I showed you to make it personal with people. You know I am the anointed one. Now he's saying to them for the first time, I want you to know I'm going to be killed. 
I'm going to be hand over to be slaughtered. I've come to be killed. And he said, and if you want to follow me, remember the seats now, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself and pick up your cross to follow me. You must die the way I must die. Hello? Can you see how Jesus is busy preparing his people so they understand the real message? After that, something crazy happened. Eight days after that, Jesus took, who did he take with him? Peter, John, and James. And he took them onto a mountain to go and pray. Western guys, if you want to know why we in Africa pray in mountains, Jesus did it. Right? He took them on a mountain to go and pray. And as he went to the mountain to pray, he turned into this bright sunshine. You couldn't wreck. He stood there. And who came down from heaven to be with him? Moses and Elijah. Guys, can you imagine that? I mean, can you catch this? It's not just a story. It's a fact. Moses represent the law. Elijah represent the prophets. And here with Jesus, the one who fulfilled the law, the one who fulfilled all the prophecies. There is the perfect picture. Law, prophets, and the Messiah, the Christ. And you know, I want you to remember this very well now. Peter, James, and John saw it with their own eyes. In fact, it even got worse. God himself, in an audible voice, spoke to Peter, James, and John. And he said this to them. I want to this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Okay, so can we just recap the thing? Got all the power. They saw him moving among the people of compassion. Then he told them, I am the anointed one, I have to die. And now he went up the mountain, and now they saw Moses and Elijah confirming it. And God himself said to them, guys, listen to Jesus. <laughs> you would think by now, they would get it, right? I mean, how much do they need? Well, they came down from the mountain into the valley. That's where the expression is from the mountain to the valley. It's because of there. They came down from the mountain into the valley, and what happened? <coughs> the next day, as they came down, a large, large crowd met with them. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he's my only child. A spirit seized him and he suddenly screams and throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and it is destroying him. Look at this. I begged your disciples to drive me out, but they could not. And Jesus took the boy and he cast the demon out. 
and he'd take that son and he gave him back to his father. Now you can imagine there's a massive crowd now watching this. And you, you know the story about the disciples now, how this is built up. And they couldn't. They thought they could. They just did it a few days ago. But they couldn't. And Jesus did it. And he handed this child back to his father. Now they were all amazed by his greatness. I mean, you can imagine Peter, James, and John. They can't speak about what happened up there. I mean, who's going to believe them? They just look at that, and they look at this. And, and, and here's the thing. Listen, everybody was amazed, and they recognized how great Jesus is. They saw the power of Jesus. They saw all the great things that he could do. But he wasn't faced by that. In the midst of all this amazing, God, you, Jesus, you're so amazing, you're so amazing. He said, Listen carefully to what I am about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they did not understand what he meant because they wanted him to be the powerful man. That makes sense to their worldview. That's what we want. We want a king. Just like we want to be kings. It was hidden from them, so they did not grasp it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. And then most probably the saddest <coughs> sentence in a whole Bible, by a long shot. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. I mean, is it possible? I want, to, I want you to see this picture. Here these guys are arguing. Levi sanctify. You know, I'm... I'm going to be the big king. I'm, it's me. I'm taking that seat. For I said, no, but you know what? I, I, I'm an artist and I'm going to be big. Imagine as his disciples were arguing and Jesus stood there. He just came from the mountaintop where with Moses and Elijah. And it, it said when he came down, his mind was focused on the cross. He was going to suffer immeasurable sufferings. He was going to become sin. His father was going to turn his back on him. He was going to go into hell. And his closest people were arguing who was going to be the greatest. Imagine how lonely Jesus must have felt at that moment. As he stood there and he looked at them. Even Peter, James and John. God himself said, listen to Jesus. Jesus said, oh, I want you to hear, I'm going to be killed. And they, James, John, and Peter turned their backs on him, said, yeah, yeah, we get there now. No, guys, but you know, I walked on water. Huh? Guys, less than 24 hours before, God himself spoke to them in an audible voice. And argue who would be the greatest. They saw Jesus as the deliverer, but they refused to see that there was even a more amazing thing that was going to happen. This mighty, mighty Christ, anointed God, was going to voluntarily hand himself over to mere men to be slaughtered. 
that was greater than all the miracles he did. But they couldn't see it. And then, you know, this, when I read this, then I fall on my knees and I say, God, if, I can only, if I'm only allowed to praise you for one thing, I want to praise you for your crazy, crazy patience and love for us. Because if that was me, I would have just gone like this. And said, okay, get out of the way, let's start again. Let me look for another 12. Right? Imagine the level of betrayal and pain he felt. Remember that when you fail. He will never turn his back on you. If he ever had a reason to turn his back, he would have done it there. What he did, rather, he called them together. And once again, he went deeper. And this time, we're getting there now. This time, he took them right into the secrets of heaven. He took a child. As I thought about it, I thought, you know what? I bet you he took that boy that was demon-possessed. That boy that people saw lying. And, and I bet you. He said to the dad, bring this demon boy to me. He took that boy. Everybody come dead quiet. And he said this. And here's the watchword for 2019. Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For he who is the least among you all, he is the greatest. This simple, unassuming child became the secret key to the kingdom. Jesus said, if you practice hospitality to this child, you do it directly to me. And if you do it to me, you do it to my father directly. This is not figurative speaking. This is real. Every time you do it to this child, you do it to me and to the one who sent me. Every time you reach out to this child, you will experience the presence of God. That's Jesus' promise. And when he did that, he turned everything upside down. I wish I can explain to you the status of a child in a Roman Empire. But it's exactly the opposite way. Children, like in Africa, would be, if I arrive at the pastor's house, the pastor will go, and he will call his daughter. Go and fetch the man some water. Go and do this. Make the fire. You know? Children would be used to do hospitality for important people. <laughs> Are you with me? Yeah. Jesus said, no, 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 no. In my kingdom, important people, 
do hospitality for children. <laughs> we can speak about this for very long. We can measure the spirituality of a church, a pastor, how the attitude is towards children, towards those. You can immediately, directly see the level of intimacy they have and presence they have with God the Father and God Jesus. Because if they have His presence, they would find it there. They will understand this scripture. Jesus turned everything upside down. So this year, I want us to digest and put into us, into our character, into our faith, into our theology, into everything we do. I want us to understand how Jesus, as he built up to prepare his disciples, because it's about time for him to leave, then there's no more time. As he built it up, piece by piece, gave him power, taught him compassion, showed him everything, showed him even how he fulfilled it at the mountain, everything. And then he got to the child and he said, now listen, here is the secret. While they were arguing who is the biggest. He said, unless you welcome these children in my name, that welcome is to be hospitable. It doesn't mean just to say, morning, you know, some of us, we go, hello, hello. No, no. It's to serve them the way some of you are serving your children. Deeply, personal, sacrificial. Unless you do that, and whoever does that welcomes me to be present welcomes my Father to be present in you. And I close with this. He will be the greatest. Because when you do that, Jesus said, so when you start reaching the child, something happened to you. You start going like this. And you actually become the least. Without trying. You can't try to be the least. When you got this key, and you start doing this, you become the least. And to say you'll be the greatest doesn't mean everybody's going to see you and now you're going to be head of hands tomorrow. It's not, that's not the greatest. That's just a stupid job, right? What it means, that word, you'll be the greatest, it's amazing. It means you will be God's favorite. <laughs> you will have the deepest favor with the Father and the Son. <laughs> he never promised us big titles and big jobs. If you chase that thing, you're never going to be the least. Never. Some of you try to be leaders, you'll never be leaders. Because you're chasing that and God is keeping it away from you because it will destroy you. Some of you are not chasing it and it's coming because it's a call that God has put in your life. It's got nothing to do with how close you are to God. You do this, and you will find favor with Him, and He promised, I will be present. My presence will be in 